Hello and welcome to a new episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. We Ain't Got No History's official podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Funnel, and as always, I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Ram. Ram, been quite a week, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's been quite a week. Um, well, Norwich have been promoted. Uh, Watford are looking pretty strong for promotion. And then top six is up for grabs. So, yeah, been some week. Why did the way even ask? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's great. I, I, I'm, I'm happy for Norwich. I mean, they can save that tweet of we're up again uh, for next year then. <laughs> I mean, on two years, actually. So that's fantastic yeah. for them. Their admin will be ecstatic. Um, yeah, as it has been a quite momentous week, absolute roller coaster of emotions as fans, not only as Chelsea fans, but generally as football fans of this Sport we love so much, we thought, okay, we for this occasion, we need someone whose opinions, of course, we all know because he wrote an article on it and was very good, just to say it. And, of course, it's our pod, oh, the podcast, our blog daddy, if I might say that. <laughs> it's it's your podcast, Pastor. you may say whatever you like. It's David Pastor. Welcome back, mate. Uh, hey. It's great to have you on. Thanks for having me. And we need some strong opinions on this matter <laughs> because it is a very, very important topic, even though it has, well, let's say, res- been resolved. Barcelona and Real Madrid are still in it. Good luck to them. Uh, but, you know, it's it's something that has been striking waves, wave after wave, Every day there's been new information coming out. It's not really split opinions because the majority is of the same one that this was a bad idea. And we heard last week that Chelsea and Manchester City were more or less budged into it at the last moment. And, well, we were in it. We were part of it. We (laughs) can't talk ourselves out of that. And now this is... We're at this point where we were part of the bad guys who nearly destroyed football, and then we saved it. (laughs) So, guys, what do you make of this past week? As a Chelsea fan and as a football fan, um, David, as our guest, of course, I'll hand it straight over to you. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure we have too much uh, face we can save by the whole, oh, we were the last to join and, you know, first to leave kind of the, the damage that is done was done by the fact that we joined. doesn't really matter if we were first or last. Um, they try to sell that pretty hard, uh, just based on the briefings they were giving out to the usual sources. Uh, but, um, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a, what was an interesting situation in that my personal expectation was, um, Having seen this uh, idea develop over the the years, uh, I think we've all heard rumors and rumblings about this. Um, what was interesting to me, most interesting to me, was n- not just that not that they were pushing for this, but we never actually got to the point where, like the way normally such stories break is there's a, a strong immediate response to it because people don't like change, and then especially such a massive change. Um, so you get you get the initial backlash, but usually that dies out, and then you get kind of the 
the opposite of that where then people start talking about it and maybe there's like a, a reasonable well not reasonable but like just a non-emotional way people try to look at it but we never actually got to that point because the reaction was so uh, unified and so strong that it basically it killed it within 48 hours and uh, people who are the teams that didn't really need it such as Chelsea and Manchester City and basically any of the English teams they quickly backed out or as quickly as they could to to try to limit the damage on themselves and the only teams left in it now if we can call it I mean let's <laughs> pretend it still exists but the only the only teams left in it are, are Real Madrid and Barcelona, which who, as it turns out, based on the, the leaks that they were published from like Spiegel a couple of years ago, which part of it might have changed, obviously, because they were talking about PSG and Bayern still being in it. But those teams were going to get an even greater share of that three and a half billion that they secured from JP Morgan. So <laughs> Well, hilariously enough, you know, they were talking about how they want to protect themselves, these elite clubs, but they already were creating a equal but not equal um, setup where Madrid and Barcelona were getting more money. Teams like Chelsea were getting more money than teams like AC Milan and Atletico. So it's kind of like maintaining a status quo, but in a slightly different situation. So that's why they're still in it, is basically, because they're... They're in desperate need, as all Florentino cried into the microphone a couple times this week, how they're practically yeah. broke and they can't even, you know, pay for Eden Hazard surgeries or whatever. I don't know. but uh, <laughs> Well, there are a lot of them, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a fair few. I hope they're getting a discount. Although Eden's back today, so, or for this week, weekend. Um, of course. But that's another, that's another story. Um yeah, mm. I, I guess I don't remember what I started talking about, but my, it's, it is a fascinating story in multiple ways. This whole Super League, in that we've always had this threat. The threat actually became reality, and the reaction to it was so immediate and so strong that it was practically dead in the water. And it didn't help that they absolutely bungled this entire launch with just this random message, a random press note a really bad simple website and then like none of the people involved in it were actually talking and they only like trotted out Florentino a couple times and he's just about the worst person to put out there so like if you're gonna launch a super league this is not the way to do it I mean I think we could all agree there <laughs> right. just because you mentioned it that that website was hilarious i mean i went on to that i was waiting for this these special effects and everything right. but that shows you what three and a half billion can buy you right i mean their logo was literally a word mark with a different color text for the because somebody discovered like a gradient function on word art it was amazing like you let's see you do like in powerpoint when you're in high school the super league it's, it, yeah i mean it, it's absolutely yeah. Uh, well, I'm not going to say breathtaking because it has more of a positive connotation. It's just it was just baffling it, how ill prepared it, it all seemed. You well, they supposedly have been hindsight. talking about for three years at least. Like, uh, w did you just like prepare your promotional materials in the last 24 hours? Yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Don't understand. I, I mean that understand. that all those all those aspects have led. You no, know, I'm not going to say conspiracy theorists here because you mm -hmm. know who knows. This, this this is also absurd and so surreal how it all 
went about uh, that I, I honestly, and especially with Florentino Perez, I'd, <laughs> I'd expect nothing's impossible in this whole scenario. Um, that this was all just, you know, a bluff, basically, to um, entice UEFA, which apparently has already been happening, you know, indirectly um, under the table, to get them more or give these clubs more money. Um, so, you know, maybe with this ill-prepared attempt of a coup, mm-hmm. one could even say, uh, of of football, this was just, I mean, th- th- that's the kind of indicators yeah. that you just see, okay, they, they can't be that bad. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of money or are they that you know, Scroogey that they they wouldn't yeah. want to spend a little bit of money on <laughs> something. Got to save all the money you can. Yeah, pay, yeah. pay the pay the intern to make a website for you. To, to yeah, I mean that fair. that's how it's always been used, right? This whole idea of a super league has always been used by the 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 so called elite clubs, the twelve, you know, G fourteen back in the day. It's always been what they threatened uh, UFO with to to give a more you know, Champions League money, more more mm. spaces, more places, um, and they. But it's never actually gone to this point where you would, they would actually launch the actual league. It has always just been like, well, we're going to do this, and then they have like, you know, give some briefings to whatever journalists and be like, there's talks underway about such and such, and then suddenly you have more funding for the Champions League. Yeah, which absolutely. is which is now happening because apparently they're getting. Six billion from some random investment firm, mm. which is even more than what the Super League had to begin with. So. It's 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 phenomenal. Yeah, I mean it's quite astounding, and we will get to the new Champions League format in a bit. Um, but Ram, as a legacy fan, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, legacy fan checking in. <laughs> Hello, Mister Legacy. No, um, I think someone who's uh, got his preferences in football with the lower tiers of football. I yeah. think that that is a fair way of <laughs> describing your your preferences in, in the footballing world. Um, how did you all take this in? Uh, I mean, I'd expect you were the first ones on the barricade, right? One of the first guys on the barricade must be. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, first, I just, I'd like to clarify that I'm 23 years old. So I... Um fall under the category of fans in the 16 to 24 age bracket as well. And How much Fortnite as, do you play, though? I... Uh, no. <laughs> I haven't even played FIFA since I was, like, 14. Ah. But, well, um, as, a, as a proud 23-year-old, I just, I just like to state my preference for um, watching complete 90-minute games. Uh, outside of that, I completely agree that all of this is nonsense and yeah well, you kind of alluded to it earlier my preference for the lower leagues and I mean I love a good, a good underdog story and I, generally I just believe that everyone should have even though I mean it's it's not a level playing field um, everyone doesn't have the same opportunity no. because richer clubs are well they are prone to get richer um, some clubs are more likely to be bought by oligarchs than others. Um, but ultimately, you look at a club like Leicester, who were in the championship six years ago. Uh, they'd just gotten promoted six, six years ago, actually, or seven. 
and they worked their way into a position where they could legitimately compete for the Champions League um, in the next, I mean, compete to qualify, qualify for the Champions yeah. League um, every year for the next three or four or five years or whatever. And I have did no they get investment from outside though? They did, but they've also built themselves up built themselves up in a very smart way and that started with winning a league and they didn't they didn't spend all that much to win their league and but once they did what they did with their resources was very important smart recruitment investment in the right areas hiring the right coaches especially with Brendan Rodgers now so and they they haven't been they haven't been um wasteful with their recruitment so it's just i think there there should always be room for a team that's in the championship or in league 1 right now to be able to dream and say that maybe we can compete with the best two in 10 or 15 years time doesn't matter if it takes a long time but just cordoning off you know the elite level of uh, football to just one competition where there's no entry and no exit is that's just not it's not it it goes against everything i like about football and yeah i really resonated with uh, guardiola when he said it's not sport when you know he, there's no there's no reward there's no risk for not performing and there's no reward for performing this is not a knock on the mls by the way i recognize that this circumstances Ooh, are different and mls but... can you can knock the mls all you want <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah so I, I don't think there's but... too many redeeming qualities to the mls yeah that david's more of a he's more of a usl guy anyway but yeah um Yeah, that's that's my entire stance on the whole mm. thing. Uh, it absolutely disgusted me from the first moment I heard of it, and it was just a very funny forty-eight hours in general. It felt like deadline day, but yeah. You know, well, uh, oh, mm, go ahead. I I just I just wanted to add something before then I'll give it over to you, of course, David. Um, I mean, I was trying to find some anal analogies for this kind of thing, and uh, you know, I I'm a gamer. A lot of people are nowadays. Um. And one of the things that I hate most, and maybe maybe this isn't the best comparison, but is when people cheat. So when people cheat, for example, in shooters, I always ask myself, why on earth do you go in a game with cheats on where you'll obviously beat people and you'll ruin the game for them because you can't lose? You know, you, you, you're in, in theory, you know, to put it into this context, you're in the league of your own. You know, you can't, you know, no one can compete with that because you have unfair um, measures to, to, to win this game, you know, aimbot, whatever. So there's no competitiveness in that. You know, I play a game because I want to compete. I want to see, okay, how far can I get? How much better am I or how much worse am I than these other people that I'm playing against? And there are these ranking systems. And I mean, you can all put this out to football. No, they're the ranking system with the Premier League, the Championship, etc. And every team wants to compete. And Ram, are the, the, I mean, Leicester City are the prime example of competing and very arduously working yourself up to the top of the pyramid and winning the league. I mean, I know there were other factors coming into play there. All the top six teams were just very poor that year. But take nothing away from Leicester. You know, that, that was an absolute astounding and once in a lifetime one could even say achievement and hats off to them for that investment well, well you know investment or not um but you know having this super league come to place or trying to implement this super league format is for me a way of cheating 
it's there's no way around it. You take away the competitiveness because nobody gives a, a flying <clears throat> what who wins. If you ask me, I, I don't think many fans would. I mean, probably we would have watched it because it's Chelsea, you know. But if you win it, it's you know there are no consequences. As if you were playing without cheats in a computer game, the consequences you lose and you're not good enough. And these people are better. You have no help for that. And here you would. I mean, as said, maybe it's not the most one-to-one example of that, but for me, it's the same stance. And I hate that. And there's no reason for me watching. That's why I was thinking about, do I even want to watch a Brighton game? Is the the predicted lineup that I was writing, what sense does it have? What, what What's the point? Because as soon as the competitiveness is taken out of the sport, there's no, there's no reason for me to really enjoy it, to say, okay, yeah, today there's this, uh, we have to win, we need these three points to get this and that. And, you know, there's being in the Premier League would have been made redundant. Being in the FA Cup, maybe, but, it, you know, they would have probably kicked us out. But, you know, all that would have become redundant because the Super League would have been here to stay. And thank God it was something that was destined to fail from the start, which we didn't know at that time when we got announced, of course. Um, it was a horrible 48 minute, uh, minutes, 48 <laughs> hours. And I felt cheated. You know, I felt... Like in those games when I play against cheaters, I felt cheated because the competitiveness is what makes or breaks football. This is a personal opinion of mine. And this would have meant, for me, personally, it would have meant the death of football. And thank God that this was came, uh, come to, they come, sorry, they came to the conclusion that it is a stupid idea. Of course, this would probably have never happened without the outside help. And yes, uh, I'll give it over to you, David. I just want to uh, put, add my two cents before we come yeah, to Chelsea. I, mm. I like that. I like that analogy. I think the problem is that there are uh, a lot of teams or a lot of players cheating already. And um, that's just made it. This just made it so much more overt, which is why there was such a massive backlash to it. Um, and I, I think you know the what what happened, what transpired is is been like a feel good turn turned a, a terrible story into a feel good story, but it doesn't really change the underlying mechanics. Um, and I'm sure you know players or fans uh, there'll be, and we've heard already many calls for executives to be fired and things like that. And there's demonstrations going on uh, outside of Arsenal right now for to remove. Cronky from power, but I mean, in in all honesty, you remove one executive, you're gonna replace him with another executive, and it's gonna be the same thing. Um, and I think, unfortunately, this ideal where fans own their clubs and and we're only in it for the good of the game, things like that, like that that ship sailed a long time ago, probably when first the first leagues were created back in you know 1905 or whenever. Like as soon as you put money into the game, this this is always was always going to be a logical outcome. I've been called, I've been called. Uh, my views have been called fatalistic and apathetic <laughs> and things like that. But like, I mean, this is this is just the the reality of of professional sport. Like it, the this, 
this uh, romantic ideal of football or whatever, you, you'll find that at the lower leagues, you find it at grassroots level, things like that. There's, you're not going to find it at, at this at this very top level. Um, and I mean, that's just that's just what it is. And we kind of we kind of buy into that idea despite the rich owners and things like that. And, and we pretend or we just you know, pretend maybe is a strong word, but, you know, we we. We buy into this idea and we, we support the club and, and we enjoy the highs and the lows. and But every once in a while something like this happens which makes it pretty clear that fans are uh, secondary at best in terms of what actually matters to these top professional teams. Um, so that's, that's the... That's the thing with cheating, unfortunately, is that it's it's already there and, and to eradicate it... Um, I mean, I don't. I don't think that's necessarily possible. Like, was this, 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 this ideal? Um, I don't think that's possible at the at the at the top level of the game, at this point. Um, Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. It's it's. I guess it's sad in a way, but it's also, it's just how it is in all professional leagues. And we can look to other, I guess we're calling closed leagues. You know, where there's no promotion or relegation. And people talk about competitiveness and things like that, but there is plenty of competitiveness in those leagues as well. I mean, in fact, in many ways, leagues like the NBA or the NFL uh, here in America, you might claim that they actually have more competitiveness if you define competitiveness as uh, being able to win your league, for example. Because, I mean, there's um, uh, Rafi, I guess is his name. He posted... Where he, he wrote this uh, excellent feature for us, and in, in that he broke down about you know, and we all know there's only a handful of clubs with any realistic chance of winning the Premier League. There's maybe two clubs with a chance of winning in Germany. You know, I mean, it's an off year for Juventus, but they've won basically every league in in Italy for the last decade. So I mean, this the competitiveness that we're trying for is is not there at the moment like if if we want to just maintain the competitiveness then we <laughs> we already don't have this um this uh, ideal where every team has a chance i mean sure you get a leicester city that was literally such a massive event that it's like the most unlikely title in sports history i don't think we can necessarily hold that up as something that the premier league or the current structures of football as a good thing that they created like if we want that to happen, um, we have to wait another hundred years for for somebody like Leicester to to win the league. So it's um, and that's fine. That's the you know that's the status quo, and that's what we think is good. But I don't think it's necessarily the Super League is what is going to destroy this ideal. Like I don't think that necessarily exists anymore. This we're fighting for something that is not really what's what's in reality we kind of pretend that it is and now maybe <laughs> maybe i'm wrong and maybe there's this massive groundswell of, of of fan support and we're gonna throw out our rich owners and take back our take back our clubs and all that but like these these clubs clubs like chelsea it's it's such a global institution at this point and i know i know that sucks for the people who actually live in the local area um, you know, this is your club, and in a way, you still, as if you see, as we saw this week, you know, you still 
the local fan still has more power than somebody living across, you know, whatever ocean. And and then just in a very real sense of being able to go to the game, of being able to show um, in person your feelings, and even in terms of uh, how much money you give the club as as a fan, you know, as a season ticket holder or somebody who goes to the grounds and and spends on concessions, whatever, you know, if you're living across the ocean, you're you, the club sees you as just a uh, somebody who gives just a, a little bit of money from your streaming or whatever, like you're per fan. And I know this is, again, business stuff, but like your per fan uh, value, so to speak, to the club is a lot less if you're the further away you are. And that's just the reality of, of the situation. Um, but it is it, it's just you cannot really divorce that anymore. Those two um, uh, factors, not factors. Aspects. Yeah, yeah. No, Aspects, that's it. Mm. <laughs> Words fail me. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's it's it, it's always it's always been a this really strange situation where you know football is an emotional game and it's 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 our game, and it's the fans' game. But at at this end of of the professional uh, spectrum, it is it is so much more, and it is a business, and um, the Super League really had exposed that in in a very in a very stark sense, and. Mm. Um, Clearly, we're we're not ready for it, and that's probably a good thing. You know, we don't probably don't want every fan to be like me. Um, you, you want you want your you want to be super emotionally invested and and you know get back your club and things like that. That's that's a good thing. And that's what makes football special in many ways. But um, as far as like competitiveness and the money, like those are some really really tough questions that we. Uh, uh, yeah, won't be won't be solved by won't by one demonstration or one you know it's it's the fight the fight this fight was won by the fans but I think there's a massive battle going on and I, I'm pretty sure we're losing that one pretty badly. Yeah, that's that's uh <laughs> <laughs> that said go come on team. Uh <laughs> yeah, it, it, that's a very well it, it's a sad ending to it but you're not wrong you know that, that, that being realistic here. This has been in the making for a long time, and even though the Super League did not come to pass, which is good, you know, it's it's so many other factors which come into play, as we'll be talking about the Champions League later. Right. Um, yeah, uh, I mean... The, that, that the other thing is, that... Hmm? Uh, so I wanted to mention the other thing I keep forgetting about. One thing that I found interesting as well was this extreme emphasis placed on the importance of European competition, which struck me as pretty uh, ironic, given that uh, Brexit just happened. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, uh, suddenly we're, wanna be, we really want to be in Europe. Um, so the, w the one, one thing that seems odd is this, um, I guess the question would be, are we saying that there is no value or no worth to the Premier League or the FA Cup or whatever without European competition. Because that's that's kind of what uh, one of these weird, like if you follow the follow what's being said to kind of a logical conclusion, you're saying that if teams cannot qualify for Europe, 
to play in a European competition, then suddenly there is no competitiveness on the Premier League level because the title of Premier League champion suddenly is worthless. That's kind of what we're saying because, you know, the, the 15 teams or whatever, they're guaranteed to play their midweek games in Europe. So, you know, there's no pressure on them in that sense to finish in the top half of the league or top four or whatever. But then our, I, the assumption then it becomes or became that they were going to throw the, the league that, you know, they don't care about the Premier League anymore. So why even play games like Brighton or West Ham or whatever? But like, are we are we so sure that that's that's really what would happen? Like, if Chelsea were guaranteed to play Champions League, whatever you want to call it, Super League, every year, are we just automatically be like, well, we don't care about the Premier League at all? You know, we're we're clearly not gonna we're gonna treat this as the the League Cup or whatever and play the kids. Mm. So that that to me was a was kind of a, a weird um, emphasis, and I. And I understand, you know, that, that argument, but I think that's just, um, I don't think personally, I don't think, or I wouldn't expect, uh, just because you guarantee European games to certain clubs, I don't think they would give up the chance to win a Premier League. There's still prestige in winning the Premier League. Like, I don't think Manchester United or Liverpool, just because they're playing Europe every year, be like, ah, we don't care about the Premier League, let, you know, I don't know, Crystal Palace win it. Whoever, like it's, it's fine. <laughs> no, nothing against Crystal Palace, but um, well, on, on the I, other, I would I would counter that to be honest. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's fun to lose to Crystal Palace, but it's also listen. You, it's just Norwich. about having all the titles go to North City from uh, now on. No, it's just about having different sides to everything. I mean, I'm I'm. I feel like I'd be able to appreciate a hard-earned victory against Manchester City more if I've seen us lose to West Brom in the same season. Or, I mean, I, maybe maybe it's different for you, but then I just feel like to really, just as a general principle, to really appreciate the good stuff. It's also, it doesn't really hurt, or maybe it slightly even enhances it if you've seen the bad as well. So. I don't know. It just that—that's kind of my whole, my whole um, basis. Of so you're saying, also, okay, you know, well, that's that's definitely true, but we're just specifically talking about Europe here, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's there. But then it would be, I, I yeah, I guess that opens up the whole other debate of would they even be allowed to stay in the Premier League if they broke off into that. So, but well, I mean, the Premier League is stupid enough to kick them out. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. and that's and again, that, that, that's where I'm saying that's where the cheating, quote unquote, cheating part comes in, right? Mm. Like, you say, oh, I can't believe these guys are, you know, they just try to throw a rebellion, and they were pretty summarily beat back down. So now, what you do is, do you, you know, punish your rebels? Do you welcome them back with open arms? Do you kick them out of the league? Um, but but at the same time, they're actually not really rebels in the sense of what normal rebellion looks like. They're not the people. They're not the, you know, the common team. They're literally the, the richest and the most popular teams. So if you kick them out now, you're basically just doing what they were, they were trying to do. Or this especially applies to Europe. But like the Premier League, 
Because that's what I'm saying. That kind of if if the Premier League would if if the Super League went ahead and the Premier League said, "Well, I can't believe you guys did this. Now you're out of the Premier League." Then you're definitely saying that the only reason the Premier League is, exists is to qualify for Europe. So Fair I point. and I, and yeah. I think there is. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not really seeing this part where we think that national or domestic competitions are so worthless that just because a team is guaranteed a European place that they would just suddenly stop playing and not care about it. And I mean, maybe that's true. And maybe I'm not seeing something here, but it, it, se- it seems like a, an odd logical step to take, especially since we not, we didn't used to have, you know, when, when the Premier League start or when, you know, leagues domestic league started there was no european competition and for most of its history the champions league only allowed actual champions or you know actual you know top teams now basically everybody goes to europe um you only have to finish like in the top half of the premier league so really what is the massive point here uh, you know it's the, the the incentive to win the the premier league is is separate from qualifying for Europe because you can't just qualify for Europe by finishing top four. I mean, that's what people throw at Arsenal, right? Um, mm. You know, they just want to. Oh, your only aim this season is to finish in the top four and not to win the league. So that's. Yeah, I think those. I think we kind of have to separate that, and I don't think. I don't think it's a necessary given that these twelve teams would have stopped playing or caring about their domestic leagues. Which is a good thing because we're still going to be trending towards this whole Super League nonsense. So, gotta the domestic the value of the domestic game is is going to remain even even if this uh, as the the various European competitions evolve. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a good point. Um, we'll take a short break now, and when when we come back, um, I think there are some topics on the Chelsea specific side of things that were yet to be broached so mm-hmm. we will come right back with that welcome back and well as i was alluding to before the break when it when it comes to chelsea themselves um you know what's what's um, materialized has not been has presumably not been the result of man city well not man city liverpool phoning chelsea up on first evening and saying that we're going ahead and doing this, do you want in or out? Um, it's presumably something that has transpired over a longer period of time. It has to have been. And even though I've seen some indications that Chelsea only went along with it, went along for the ride, uh, for, for the fear of being left behind, there, I think the fact remains that Chelsea still hold a lot of culpability. I don't think they can really pass the buck on this, no pun intended. Because um, <laughs> one of my first, one of my, one of my first questions to you, David, is going to be: Do you think Bruce Buck should have any? Well, do you think he should feel any of the heat on this in terms of? Do you think he needs to do an Edward word? Or... <laughs> do an Edward word. That's what we're going to call it now. That's funny. <laughs> Uh well, personally, I I don't know. I think it, it. Do I think he should? I mean, it seems customary, but um, I don't think he will, and I I think that's that's fine. Um, 
this isn't the first th- first time you know we've had a, a Bruce Buck thing, and oh. um, we can just think back when there was the little power grab and they try to destroy the CPO. You know when we're talking about moving the stadium, things like that. I mean, it's, it's you know executives, they're all dime a dozen. Um, what what is I don't know. I I'm not I'm not a huge fan of scapegoating overall, and um and maybe this was all Bruce Buck, but uh, I think if we know one thing about Chelsea is that um, nothing really happens without the owner's approval or disapproval. Uh, so if if like Bruce wants to take the fall for old Roman, that's fine, but I think like you were saying, um, this isn't like Chelsea really trying hard to sell the story where. Um, they suddenly, these 11 teams or whatever, they said, we're going to the Super League, you know, hop on board, the t- train's leaving, this is it. If you don't if you don't come now, you know, we're, you're never coming again. And we, we know that these talks have been going on for, for a long time, and, and maybe not actively, but it certainly wasn't just, so, you know, like you said, somebody just phoning him up on a Thursday night and be like, by the way, we're, uh, you know, going out for beers on Sunday, come along. Um, <laughs> Uh, but and and they they have really tried been hard uh, selling this story and even their even the statement which I thought was hilarious said something along the lines of well we've actually thought about it now and it turns out that we we're not doing this (laughs) it's like well a that's really stupid and if you haven't actually thought about it and if that's that's your excuse is that you haven't actually thought about this and now you have in the last 48 hours and you suddenly realize that this is a bad idea well, in reality, probably what happened was, yeah, you knew this was coming, and then you went along. And it, like you said, like we said earlier, it doesn't really matter if you were first or last. And at the end, you were there, and and that that is now going to be a stain for a while. But as with anything, it probably will be forgotten eventually when the next big story breaks. Um, all that, all that to say is, if if we think. Uh, like this was all Bruce Buck being some slimy American, quote unquote, and um, you know finally realizing his long-held American dream of of putting Chelsea in a closed franchise league with you know no more relegation, so unconstitutional things like that. Like it's it wasn't just him. Even if this was like his dream from the first day he became involved in Chelsea, like whenever. Man's been living in London for like forty years now, so I think he's been. It's it's a bit it's a bit reductive to call him, you know, to lump him under this stereotype of of the bad American, which is an unfortunate undercurrent to all of this. But um, you know, if he, he he makes for an easy target, I think, because he is literally the only person in that entire boardroom who ever shows his face. And whoever talks to anybody, you don't, you know, Abramovich certainly doesn't talk. He's made one statement in the last, whatever, 15 years, and that was when sacking Lampard, or at least this was a statement attributed to him. I'm, mm. I'm assuming he didn't himself write it. Um, Granovskaya only talks in press releases. And, you know, whoever, uh, Dave Barnard, the secretary, he, you know, you see him in pictures every once in a while. I mean, there's... Lawrence. He's, yeah. Yeah, Guy Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, we know he who he is, but 
<laughs> he's not. I mean, he doesn't even talk. He's he's more a business guy, you know. And so the only person we ever really see is Bruce, and he's the only one who ever, however badly, interacts with fans. You know, he's the one. Wasn't he like in a Europa League game a few years ago and starting like handing out bags of chips, things <laughs> like that? Just, just some interesting <laughs> stuff. So I mean, he makes for an easy target, and. Um, my thing, I think if even if he resigns, doesn't Ed Woodward, um, it doesn't really change anything. It might make people feel better that we accomplished something. Um, but you know, you see this all the time somebody takes the fall, somebody makes a bad decision. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if if somebody somebody did get the boot, and if somebody does get the boot, it's probably Buck because he seems like the the one that would curry the most favor with the fans, but I'm not sure the club cares that much. And it doesn't look like anyone else is really resigning other than Woodward. So there's yeah. not like this, uh, um, there's no there's no blood in the streets for on the executive boardroom. Yeah, yeah, well, um, that, there's that, and there is a, apparently one of the owners going to put their club on the market now after all of this. Oh, I yeah, just, um, which, which one? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. It just it's always always comes out as um as an unnamed club and yeah. I feel oh, like that was from Cave, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Oh, Cave yeah, doesn't. That, yeah, well, he then you know. Shows a lot in true. the air, doesn't he? Sky <laughs> Cave. Yeah, yeah. So well, well, there's that, and then just as for Chelsea's statement itself, like for example, Joel Glazer wrote this open letter to Man United fans. Mm-hmm. Um, Liverpool, John W. Henry. Why do I say the W? Uh, John Henry recorded a video, and he uploaded it, apologizing. John, I mean, John it, Henry has has plenty of practice in apologizing yeah. to Liverpool fans. <laughs> That's all he's been doing since buying the club. So, but yeah. anyway, continue. And yeah, and, and like Arsenal, um, they had they had a fans forum where they basically. Well, they hung themselves out to try pretty much because um, they just put themselves out there for fans to come and ask them tough questions and say things like, we don't have any trust in you, this and that. Um, so, they, they, well, they, they put themselves there to listen. They, they said, whatever's coming, we'll take it. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying you should um, commend them for doing the bare minimum. But I guess the question is more like, why didn't Chelsea do anything? Why hasn't there been more they, communication outside? They did meet with one of the supporters groups, I want to say. Not the oh, supporters' yeah? trust. They met with this Chelsea supporters group, which I think is different than the trust. Was that right? I don't think, the, I don't think they work. The trust is not uh, really like in with the club anymore for whatever reason. Yeah. So they don't hold... The fans' forums are with a, a different, much smaller... Um, fan group which probably which probably uh, something Chelsea wanted to do because the supporters trust was getting too powerful for them I don't know yeah okay yeah I mean it certainly would would be nice to have more open communication from the club but it's not something that they've done in a while if ever so I'm not necessarily <laughs> I'm not necessarily expecting it it would be nice it would be nice um, as far as statements and apologies I mean do we really I guess it's nice to apologize. I mean, I guess it's nice to see it's just that an empty, at least empty gesture. Yeah, 
Yeah. Like, my cold, jaded heart doesn't need some, yeah. you know, letter form apology about, like, caring about the fans' feelings and, you know, we'll, we'll do our best to make better, not, you know, not make stupid decisions in the future, things like that. It's just so... It's a matter of principle, uh, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're talking about them selling out Chelsea, if we're completely honest. We, we don't know who really did sell us out. I mean, how that went through that boardroom and the people thought, well, right. yeah, it's probably the best idea. We don't know. <laughs> I, I can't... You can't... I mean, we, we all agree about this, that this can't have just gone over Roman Abramovich's head. Right. I, I thought that was... So like, I think Matt Law had a... The Telegraph had this line where it was like, Abramovich was so reluctant and just decided that this couldn't go in. Like, yeah, I'm sure he was super reluctant. Like, somebody told him he could make billions be like, yeah, I'm reluctant. And then he's like, oh, <laughs> this, this is not good. Yeah, but that, anyway. That's it, yeah. isn't it? Because he is still a businessman and that's how he got to his right. money. That's how he bought Chelsea. And we're all happy for Roman Abramovich. And errors in judgment is something that Roman Abramovich hasn't done too often. I mean, I know we all know he's trigger happy. We don't always agree with his um, appointments or more more like uh, his dismissals of our management. <laughs> but, you know, he, what he's done for this football club goes far beyond, for example, because I just saw on Twitter the other, um, uh, you know, just before um, the protests against Stan Kroenke. So if you compare him with Stan Kroenke, yeah, sure, you know, people will say, well, it's still, a, you know, it's a matter of principles. He sold us out as well. Yes. And maybe this would be a perfect time for him to come out personally and write an apology, even if it doesn't mean... I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, saying, if, if Roman does come out personally, like, that would be pretty amazing. That, that would just, mean something, just, just it? In, yeah, just in a momentous sense. Like, maybe that apology might be actually interesting. If you just put a, you know, club statement with the with the Chelsea badge on the website, like, okay, yeah, somebody wrote that. How fantastic. Like, you know, <laughs> Roman comes out. Uh, that'd be that'd be all right. Do yeah. it. That would mean something. I mean, yeah, I, that, would, I, that would be helpful, right? Yeah. Well, uh, that, that that's never going to happen because I mean, the most <laughs> that we've got in terms of communication is Michael Amanalo coming and doing an interview, talking about individuals. So, uh, well, uh, I'm not I'm not really uh, hoping well, for uh, poor poor Michael Amanalo paid the price for that one. He but, did, yeah. Uh, so I, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I guess none of us really expecting. Um, Roman or I don't know, not sure about Marina, but definitely not Roman to come out and do like a fans forum and say mm-hmm. they were sorry, like Vinay Venkatesham and the other, well, uh, like Andrew Kronke has been doing. In fairness, uh, Peter Cech did go down. Yeah, and, he did. Yeah, he and, did. and try to talk to the 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 protest, the gathering in front of and ask them to let the bus through. To be fair, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was a fantastic picture. One really has to say when Peter Cech came out there and that uh, I, I was looking at the Twitter feed like just a minute when that was first posted on. I thought, wow, you know, I mean, Peter Cech, he's one of us. He's, you know, he's one of the most upright and, you know, just generally kind and professional people you'll find you know in the in the mold of a frank lampard a john terry and so on um disregarding john terry's personal <laughs> affairs um <laughs> so the point is you know him coming out to the fans and saying you know give it time we know that was a great statement as well you know right. it's not as as meaningful as 
a Roman Abramovich coming out because that that would be, as you said, that would be something that really actually means something, not just a club statement or Bruce Butt coming out and saying, "Hey, you know, I." Sorry about that. Yeah. That that would probably cause more harm, and that whoopsies. that's actually something. Yeah, whoopsies. Yeah, that's actually something. What the Arsenal, one of the owners or something, or one of the executives. Josh, Josh Cronky was it? Not not Josh Cronky. It was Vinay. Some um. Vinay Venkatesham. Yeah. Him exactly. Yeah. Thank you, Ram. <laughs> um, yeah, he he like made a phone call to all the other. 14 clubs in the Premier League and apparently it made it worse so you know yeah. there is the right way to do it and the wrong way probably but then again Arsenal are shambles uh, on management level yeah, it's so... definitely possible to do more damage mm. like it's it's it's, a, it's still pretty pretty tenuous and, and kind of careful situation here where, I mean they're going to have to do all the clubs and Chelsea as well like you know, we're saying, or I'm saying, like, apologies, you know, whatever, we can you know, put, frame it up or whatever, and, and then move on. It's all going to be, you know, what defines you really is actions, not necessarily words. And um, I think, Chelsea, you're going to have to do some pretty um, significant or, or visible actions in order to kind of... Um, you know, get the get the good good vibes back in again. Just like, you know, I mean, this couple of years ago now was where the whole end of the Sari era was not great, and Lampard's appointment really has has uh, recreated some of that feeling of of the club being connected to the fans and 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 our and our own, so to speak. Um, and that's you know, in the last few months, that obviously has gone away. And now with the whole Super League, we're we're kind of we're trending trending back down on that scale. So they're gonna have to uh, do some uh, interesting, uh, or hopefully they will do some uh, little fan engagement or whatever to uh, to repair this. Yeah, rapture. <laughs> rapture. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of Petacek coming out, by the way. There was um there was an actual game of football on that day, as we as it sounds. <laughs> did you um did you guys make much of that game? I mean, uh, it was uh, I think while the game was going on or just before, like all the news about you know Man City pulling out. It was, and it's happening Chelsea right during it. Yeah, it was happening during it. Yeah. Did that? Yeah, did that like make you feel more enthusiastic about the game or something? Because it certainly kind of put a spring in my step when I was watching it. I don't think anybody cared about that game, and it seemed like the players themselves didn't care about the game either. Yeah, good point. Somewhat understandable, I suppose, since it was you know their jobs on the line in a way, or yeah. like you know your company is in talks of massive seismic shifts in your industry. Like maybe maybe playing the game is not necessarily going to be foremost on your mind. Yeah, it was a pretty bad game. Yeah, it was pretty bad, wasn't it? Um, Jimmy. Uh... Um, it's quite. I think it's very ironic that when when the Super League is well, when they were establishing the Super League, um, in principle, that's the kind of game that they wanted to avoid by making Chelsea play Real Madrid every other week. Uh, so I just yeah, I just thought it was weird in an ironic way that 
they brought about that kind of game, kind of in, in it, it was it was quite ironic in the sense that yeah. they said the Super League is going to bring about boring, uncompetitive games, and then <laughs> that happened. <laughs> like, well, hate to bring it yeah. to you guys, but there's plenty of those already. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, that's kind of the thing, isn't it? If you look at uh, how the games went you know i mean tottenham drew i mean yeah you know what forget tottenham i had no idea how they win there so that we'll just leave them outside oh, we can popularity. make a case they said they said best teams but really what they meant is most popular teams and most uh yeah. highest even, highest revenue teams yeah even then you know you it's kind of you're grasping for straws when you put tottenham in i mean I know, I know, of course, that their revenue is higher than all the others in the Premier League, but you could just as much have just left them out. <laughs> I mean, I always think uh, of that uh, that one interview with the the Chinese bloke, uh, Top Spurs. You know, no, no one knows of them outside of Europe. You know, not really. Uh, I think I can remember that one graph, uh, the demographics of uh, where which club is the most prevalent in in the states and there was like one very small state which was tottenham i can't believe that but you know to each there his are, own there are a few spurs fans around but the, the point is you know okay so arsenal drew you know just about uh in the relegation fight fc uh fulham you've got leeds that drew against liverpool which you know bill whether it's, you know, as successful as many make it out to be, no, you know, nonetheless, they've done a great job coming up and they've been, um, you know, collecting some scalps. Mm. Um, Manchester City just about won against Aston Villa and, you know, emphasis on just about. We drew against Brighton and this has been something very prevalent and a recurring theme of not only just this season and even before Corona, let's be honest here. You know, this is what makes the Premier League so good because anyone can beat anyone. That is kind of a bit detrimental to our hopes in Europe for England. I mean, Liverpool did claw themselves to a Champions League title. You know, credit where credit's due. But generally over the past decade, you know, ever since Chelsea won the Champions League, it's been... Um, somewhat of a decline for English football in the, on a European level. And I'm not talking about the Europa League here. We're talking about the Champions League. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's it's something that the competitiveness in the Premier League, you know, our our 20th place team gets nearly as much as Bayern Munich for winning the Bundesliga. That It's, it's, it's quite remarkable what kind of money is involved here. And it's still a really, it's the most entertaining league. It's the most viewed league. And as much as people like to make it out that Real Madrid and Barcelona are the biggest clubs in the sense of, you know, world football, blah, blah. It's not a, a compelling league. Say what you want. You know, it's basically a two-horse uh, race every year with the odd one being... I mean, their, their Leicester City is basically Atletico winning the league, which says a lot. So my point is, you know, taking away these 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 little rivalries, not just the big rivalries, but, for example, when Chelsea played Leeds, when... When uh, we go to, to West Ham, it's always kind of a grind game. When when we play against Everton, which is also always, you know, you're on the edge of your seat kind of thing. Wolves is, you know, accumulated to being a fantastic team, you know, under Nuno. It's, why would you take away for that? And 
I, I'm well, not sure who, who well, mentioned that, but you you know, if you're in the Super League, who cares about the Premier League? I mean, I get I get that. You know, the only thing that would matter in the Premier League race is whether you're first or not. And if you are not first, and you know, let's say you're 15 points behind the league leader, you won't care anymore. You'll probably be fielding your U23 or your reserve teams. Emerson would have a field day, and that will be it. You know, and that that's that's not the point of the Premier League. I just wanted to say that. I think it would be the exact opposite. That's funny. Like you, the, all the little rivalries you mentioned. That's that's what would sustain the Premier League. But I guess we will, if there we were will, a Super we League, find out. we will find out. Not you yet, mean either. if we have a Super League? Yeah. How come? I I don't think I don't think these games would necessarily go away because there is there is so much history in that sense, and that's driven continues to be driven by the fans and that sort of engagement. So the the meaning behind, you know, Chelsea against Leeds wouldn't necessarily go away just because uh, Chelsea are in the Super League in midweek and Leeds are fighting to get into, like, you know, the Europa Conference or whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't think that... I don't think that necessarily would be the case. And, again, I, I could be wrong, and I know... There are many people who who believe otherwise or would predict otherwise, and a lot of that was precisely the the sentiment behind the protests. But I don't think that's necessarily true. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. it's everyone has a different opinion on that, and the good thing is it's all hypothetical. <laughs> that, that, so for, for now. Know, for, for, for now. now. Fair point. Yeah. For <laughs> now. But um, yeah, you know, it's. Maybe a debate for another time. Hopefully, in the distant yeah. future, because I don't know. I think everyone's different. Of course, everyone's different. I'm a kind well, of guy who likes to have what he knows. You know, I like what's known to me. I like it traditionally in the sense of yeah. sports now. Oh, no, so I don't I, like change. I do. <laughs> well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there is um, a va- any value in any in any sense, whether it be that emotional or business or whatever in destroying the history and the the relationships so to speak in leagues like the premier league like it doesn't it wouldn't help teams the top teams to to lose that history to lose those connections just to make you know millions or billions in europe i don't think they're they want and this you know might not happen for them but they just want their essentially their cake and they want to eat it too so they want to keep the premier league which you know richest leagues most watched leagues whatever and then they also want the guaranteed income in europe i don't you know i don't think they're actively working towards ignoring the domestic competitions now that might be a, a you know an unworkable arrangement and might it, clearly the domestic leagues aren't really signing up for that so that might be naivete on their part and on my part, but it's uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think I don't think anybody's actively working to 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 destroy the domestic games, to destroy the Premier League, to say this doesn't mean anything anymore, just because they want a, a Super League. And we see that in kind of in effect. I know you want to talk about this, but you know the Champions League itself has evolved in that direction where we've increased the number of spaces, we've increased the number of games, we've increased the the um, the prize money, and 
the the uh, the importance of it has grown over the years hasn't really lessened the importance of the Premier League. We've just gone from, you know, only the champions of the league of the Premier League qualified for Europe. Now the top four qualifies. So now it just makes it adds a little extra value. But the league itself is still important, regardless of how many teams qualify or don't qualify. Okay. Okay. Fair, fair, fair. And 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 we we can only hope that that's going to stay the same, because we are evolving the Champions League, to to kind of a, a soft Super League arrangement like the ones, you know, they slipped that in there pretty pretty quietly on Monday, and so there's not been, we we're seeing a bit we're seeing a bit of backlash now, but there's not been much attention paid to it. But they announced, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I think they, this is a good time to. Yeah, they announced this for, yeah. for 2024, which, you know, three years, I guess, um, that they're expanding the the Champions League, the 36 teams from 32. They're getting rid of the group stage, which has been a feature since, like, 92. Um, and they're making it the Swiss model, where you're playing 10 games total against, in decided by some magic formula as to who you're playing away and who you're playing at home. And then... So it's like a massive league of 36 teams, and the top eight qualify for the the knockout rounds. The next 16 then play an extra round to determine the next eight to then play against the first eight. And they're opening... uh, I've seen multiple different reports. There's either two or three spots of the four extra they're giving that they're calling that they're going to give out, basically, on historical coefficient. So teams aren't going to be qualifying for it anymore. It reminds you reminds you of something. They're just gonna be handed these places in the league because of you know, say, Chelsea with one of the highest English, uh, one of the highest coefficients for an English team or an England-based team. Um, you know, if we finish outside of the four or whatever, uh, UFA could say, well, you know, based on your performances in the last 10 years or whatever we're just going to grant you a spot in the champions league anyway because you know you should be there quote unquote should be there so well well how's how is that suddenly any different from you know 15 teams in the super league always qualifying so that's and that's even they announced all that and and created yet another european competition called the europa conference which slots below the europa league so now in the Premier League, basically half the league is going to qualify for Europe, or quote unquote qualify. But you know, if if you're in the Premier League, if you're a Premier League team, suddenly if you're one of the tips top six, you're guaranteed European football. Maybe not Champions League, but you're guaranteed something. Um, so really, is it is it really that different? And, and we have we have this idea of of merit based competition, of of being able to promote and relegate yourself to or out of but the way the way things are trending it's that's becoming more and more of just a a theoretical ideal and not what's actually happening in the leagues so you know we are seeing we are seeing some attention paid to this now including tweets from players yeah i think uh Mm. he he put he put something out about this and and it, unlike the Super League, it's not happening right now, so there's a bit of time to... Uh, 224, I think, is, isn't it? Yeah, 
so there's a bit of time to to figure out what's happening. But at the same time, you know, we, we briefly mentioned it that uh, UFA had or are in talks of securing like a six billion euro fund from an investment firm. So it's a, you know this we might not call it a super league and clearly the idea of of no promotion or, or you know not even having the possibility of of earning your way into it really is struck struck a chord and that's uh football cannot you cannot have that in football really um so that kind of made the whole idea dead in the water but they're trying to they're trying very hard to to create a similar scenario and just not call it a super league and i you know if if we are we see this we see this massive protest and massive groundswell of, of emotion against it um if 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 we you know you see this in the champions league like maybe now is the time to leverage that and and really if if you want to see true change like now is the time to to push for it you got the 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 groundwork has been laid and you can see how far you can push it mm. i mean that that's kind of the point that fifa oh actually sorry not fifa it's UEFA, <laughs> of course um you know that just shows once again if someone forgot that they're not one bit better than yeah, these aren't than the good SL. guys. And you know this is a perfect setting. You know, of course, it will have been a very tumultuous uh, few days for them, um, but you know this is perfect—the perfect scenario for them to really get things going with this new format that they have planned. Because people are still so outraged. Um, I always think I, I like to think of this kind of situation like with that one sketch. I can't remember which which comedian that was, but where um, this 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 daughter was trying to tell her parents that she's a drug a drug addict, and before she said that, she said, I, "I'm pregnant," and the father was, "Oh my god, oh my god," and said, "No, I'm just joking. I'm not pregnant, but I'm a drug addict." And he said, "Oh, thank God." You know, like it's basically. Oh, the Super League's here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. We got this done. Oh, yeah. And we're going to change the Champions League to something that isn't right. that yeah. dissimilar in many facets. Oh, well, at least the Super League's no longer here. You know, so it's it's a very, very sneaky way of how they've gone about with this. And to be fair, you know, in their positions where they are the devils, I, I completely understand them doing it. You know, it's, it's a very good example of that Grand Theft football uh, picture that was going around or is still going around you know um swap out the 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 owners of the super league uh clubs with a few fifa or uefa officials and it's just works just as much so i think that's something where i'm kudos to an ilkai gundogan and whoever has already spoken out about it about the players specifically right um because you know this isn't something that yeah. many do yeah that's a yeah. good the, thing the other thing i think we should mention as a good thing was people like um patrick bamford when he was asked about it on monday yeah. night he's you know he was among several that i know of who pointed out that like just watch the response from ufa and how strongly they came out against this and then compare it to their response to every time there is like incidents of racism uh, other, you know, financial, like Manchester City getting, a, you know, a light little smack on the on the bottom for their massive financial irregular irregularities, things like that. Just so, just 
compare compare and contrast the the response from the people in power when it's their position being threatened as opposed to when it's an actual important issue to you know more in terms of society and, and competitiveness and things like that so good for good for Bamford and and others for to, to calling attention to that issue even if, if even if it was overshadowed by you know other events but still absolutely absolutely uh it's just about whether or not you know th this is an institution that with the super league uh 12 that had just been born you know even if talks had been taking place for years beforehand uh, and as such you know it wasn't steady you know you, you can you can of course disband it far more easily than an institution which is this monopoly uh called wafer or fifa yeah. whatever um where people are happy that they are around now because uh, they, you know, they they helped with their threats and all that to to keep the Super League from happening. And as good as that might be, uh, it's you know it's, we're just going to continue down the same path um, of commercializing football and it becoming more about um, well commercialism than than actual sporting reasons and so you know it's 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 it's, uh, it's debatable whether we can even stop this uh, i know people are still enthusiastic and emphatic about how chelsea stopped you know the super league from happening or saved football but i think you make some good points there david whether this is actually even saveable <laughs> with wafer in the driving seat is is a uh, a different discussion entirely so yeah uh ram you've been in quite quiet here um your thoughts well i don't know honestly i feel like most of what was there to say has kind of been said by the three of us collectively to be honest um i i don't Personally, I just, it's just a personal thing, but I don't like um, going that deep into it because I feel quite bad that no one's happy with the status quo of football. Either they're trying to change the format of the Champions League or uh, I recently read a report where they were talking about creating a British Super League and bringing Rangers and Celtic over to the Premier League, making it an 18, 18 team competition. And the, the, the main point being, we just cannot have the status quo. And I just don't see why that's the case. I feel like, I feel like the league's only been growing to a ridiculous extent and it's uh, well, this is just specific to the Premier League, but I feel like it's just become a very high-quality league overall, and every team, once they're in it, has a good amount of room to grow. For example, I thought Sheffield United signing Sander Burge was a very... Well, I thought it was a good example of that. Um, and I, I, while while this has some other repercussions, like you know, increasing the gap between the EFL and the Premier League, I just I've never understood why everyone has big problems with the status quo. I think things are going quite well as they are, and the only real reason for things to change is people who already have a lot of money want more money. And in this case, 
the I, I feel like the entire reason why the ESL even came about was I don't know some clubs maybe I'm guessing Real Madrid and Barcelona and um, Juventus maybe wanted to earn a lot a lot of money and all these clubs are like super not smart with their with their um, you know with their recruitment and the way they conduct things so I just yeah just generally I, I, I I'm not sure I like the direction in which football is heading I mean people could say that things go in cycles and mm-hmm. even the Premier League coming about was a significant change from what things used to be but yeah just any any competition format where things aren't decided on sporting merit even though sporting merit has factors behind it it's just not for me so that's my that's my entire crux of my opinion on all of these issues put together really so uh yeah that's that's all i have really have to say and i mean if you don't mind uh i was actually planning to give like five minutes to the West Ham game since it's tomorrow. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so we are playing West Ham tomorrow. Uh, and West Ham happened to be a team that could realistically make the Champions League. And it, it matters. Just so, yeah, <laughs> it just so happens that this is a top four six-pointer, as they as they like to call it. Um, well, I, I don't... I don't know what, what's been up with West Ham. It seems like David Moyes is actually... It seems like his success with Everton back in the day wasn't just a fluke. Uh, and he's actually he's actually a, actually a good manager somewhere. And <laughs> Chelsea he's and West Ham... saying Alex Ferguson was correct. <laughs> yeah. Oh, crazy, isn't it? Uh, uh, but Chelsea and West Ham are level on points at the moment, both, both on 32 games played, 55 points. Chelsea are ahead on goal difference by eight, which is a nice cushion. But when you think about how things can change, uh, if West Ham even beat us by like two goals, the difference immediately gets slashed by half. So well, it's, just, uh, it's just not an ideal position to be in when you have six games to go. So. Um, I think it's going to be a very tough game, to be honest. Moyes has made them, he's made them quite, well, I'm not going to say hard to beat because they, they have let in a fair number of goals. I think we are hard to beat at the moment, <laughs> uh, to be fair. So I think, eight, eight goals in four, or not eight goals, ten goals in the last four games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, especially recently, um, yeah, the, so the, the trope would be he's made them hard to beat, but then uh, they've actually been, they've actually been conceding. So I'd say Chelsea are very much the side that would just... I wouldn't even be surprised if, you know, Tuchel, Tuchel went into this game um, with an attitude of we can drive this one out and even go for a draw if need be because we, I don't know, we, we, could, we could then see out the rest of our campaign. But this, it, it kind of reminds me of how Jose Mourinho would approach some games and just try to not lose them and then take it from there, win the games you should be winning and don't lose... Don't lose the games uh-huh. that well that could go either way. People people will say that we should be winning this game. Well, I, I, I like to <laughs> I like to think football is very dynamic that way, and um, the fact that West Ham are level on points with us means that uh, it's just what w- what matters today is that West Ham aren't a bad side at all. They could realistically make the Champions League um, current form notwithstanding. Uh, 
even then it's just been like one loss in the last in the last three or how many ever um so i, I think we'd best take west ham seriously I'm, I'm not so so for that reason i'm not expecting a big win or anything from chelsea because if the same brighton kind of game played out then i wouldn't be surprised at all so I, if i'm i'm just expecting like a one-all draw or something especially because this is Tuchel and um yeah <laughs> uh I've I've learned not to expect many fireworks from Tuchel's Chelsea so far, but this this being the most likely of such games. Anyway, uh, yeah, David, what do you what do you think? How's this one gonna go? Uh, well, if you know you're saying we shouldn't take them lightly, well, hopefully we don't because we've done really well against teams that we haven't taken lightly, and we've done less well against teams that we have taken a bit more lightly, such as Brighton. Um, <laughs> yeah. We've done well. I mean, you can only you only have to look to you know beating Manchester City, which was excellent. Uh, getting past Atletico and Porto in the Champions League. So I mean, you know, we've we've done really Tuchel's game plan in big games, quote unquote big games, is you know bold words, but it's almost flawless at this point, which eventually you know won't always be, and eventually we will get beaten one of these big games. But so far. Uh, he's done really well. So, you know, West Ham, for us, for them, it's a massive game. As for us, it's a massive game as well. And I don't think we'll be looking at it in any other sense, especially because it's been a while since we won at uh, whatever they're calling it these days, London Stadium, Olympic Stadium. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think it's been four years since, since yeah. we last beat them there. So it's not been not been a happy place, but it's a, it's a it's massive game. Wow. Yeah, 20, 2017, I want to say. Um, yeah, so it's it's a massive game, and I've no more distractions, right? We're done with the Super League. Hopefully, don't have to worry about that. Uh, can focus fully on, on the game, and it's this, this massive game, this one, and then, of course, Real Madrid coming up. So it's, you know, all massive games back and forth. And Brighton was the one that wasn't quite such a massive game, and, and we played played like it. And, you know, even if you account for all the distractions. So um, I'm not a huge fan of making predictions, so I'm not going to make a prediction. I think it's going to be a tough game, but um, we've done really well in tough games under Tuchel. Um, so I have I have some confidence that we will uh, we will put in a good performance. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't expect goals because we've done what, like one game so far under Tuchel that we scored more than two. Yeah, but uh, you know, it might be might be a, a bit of a, a defensive struggle. But then again, as you were saying, West Ham have scored. They've scored twelve goals. Uh, they've scored three goals for four straight four straight games. I don't want to say. Yeah. Oh no, they <laughs> scored only two against Newcastle. Yeah, they scored three, 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 two, and conceded three, two, two, three. So it's definitely uh, goals aplenty over there, and which is hilarious for. You know the stereotype about David Moyes and his Everton teams, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't expect five, six goals in this one. I would expect a no. few goals. You know, maybe maybe one goal in it, and uh, hopefully, hopefully the blue, the blue team wins. Yeah, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I mean, we need it. If we lose this one, we're in deep trouble for top four, I think. Yeah, um, and. 
Jimmy, how, how, how do you reckon? Is, is it going to be... Well, it's not going to be another 3-2 in the series of 2-3-3-2-3-2, is it? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, me and predictions, I don't like to be too optimistic because every time I am, things kind of go wrong. So I'm going to keep to my pessimistic way of predicting results. And so I'm going to go with a draw here. But, of course... That's not Yeah, yeah, because, you know, it's, 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 I don't think we're going to lose it. I just don't see us losing many games at the moment, uh, apart from that, that, that oddity, which was the West Brom game, because, you know, we were 10 men, and there were a lot of factors that just completely swamped us, let's say like that. But, you know, apart from one where we do have our full capacity playing on the field, I just don't see us... <clears throat> losing games that much this year. I don't even think we're going to lose too much against, uh, uh, going to lose against Real Madrid. So um, I, I think it's going to be a draw and it won't really help either of us. Then again, um, if doesn't matter who wins, then I think we're going to be, no, we, we, no, I don't think, sorry, not, I don't think, I don't think we're going to be safe in this top four race anyway, because looking at our remaining fixtures, it's, uh, quite the ending to the oh, season yeah. Yeah. and there is only one game where we can say okay we're expected to win that and that's against crystal palace if i'm not mistaken and even fulham. they sorry fulham fulham sorry sorry yeah. fulham and even they you know they 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 can nick a goal in they don't have room losses cheap which is a, of course a positive but um at their disposal at least uh, in in that game but uh yeah <sighs> No, it's it's going to be one hell of a ending to the season, and let's just hope that we're on the side which is in the Champions League. Then, because <laughs> you know, if we rely on us winning the Champions League to get into next year's Champions League, then I mean, uh, honestly, uh, it might actually be easier at this point. Probably, <laughs> you only have to win three games. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. looking at the pure quality of the uh, the games we still of the teams we still have to face in the Premier League, it's it's quite the task. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's, it's gonna be a tough one. There's Absolutely. no no easy games, even you know, and not not just because you know Premier League no easy games, whatever. But uh, other than the Fulham game at home, which you know, might hopefully doesn't turn out to be another Brighton because it's sandwiched in between the two Real Madrid games. It's uh, it's all tough yeah. games, home or away, and against other other opposition fighting for something. Uh, <laughs> ironically, the Manchester City game might be the only game without any actual meaning to it, because for them anyway, because they probably will be confirmed champions by then. Mm, I, I mean, one thing that I absolutely hope, you know, whatever whatever happens tomorrow, um, please. Please, 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 let's have this Super League conundrum and situation out of our systems because, uh, you know, that that was evidential. We already mentioned this uh, at the start or some at some point during this uh, during the episode. We were definitely influenced by this, and I really hope that the the players and also, well, also Thomas Tuchel, of course, have 
you know, work through this and that we can now fully concentrate on the game tomorrow. Theoretically, in his comments, as you can, of course, read on We Ain't Got No History, he did say that we have and we're fully focused, but, you know, well, <laughs> let's wait anything see. else. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, he can't say anything else, but he's a very honest character. And if well, there sure. really Afterward, were... Afterwards, he might, before, like, <laughs> could you imagine if it was press conference like well i hope we're being concentrated <laughs> actually yeah. we've been really distracted these last few days uh yeah i know you can't say that well yeah yeah let's let's just hope for the best and we'll just see yeah i think that kind of wraps it up doesn't it ram yeah yeah it does uh we've uh we've, we've gone i think there's been like an extra long episode of the podcast which is obviously good because um david's been here uh, so, uh, and obviously it's been a very eventful week, you know, what with the championship promotion race situation. So we we discussed a lot of things. Um, most of them were just about um, where football is headed and why things happened the way they did over the last two weeks and whether things should be done about them. Now we move on and hope that these proposals don't come about for a while and that if they do they're at least a little more sensible uh and that they get their design aesthetics a little better this time as well uh maybe don't hire theresa may's 2008 campaign people to do your pr as well but uh yeah we look forward to a champions league semi-final and um a game against west ham yeah beating west ham that's it uh london derby the whole lot so Yes, another uh, business as usual in another episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast. And David, thanks very much for joining. It's, uh, I think it's Thanks for having probably, me. It's been quite a yeah. week. It has, it has, yeah. And um, couldn't think of anyone better to come and help us uh, dissect it freely. And yeah, it's probably been like what, a third or fourth time that you've come on this podcast and it's uh, one and a half years of existence. So. That's good. Um, you're, you're probably our highest featuring um, guest now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we will we will have you back soon, of course. Um, but we uh, until until the next episode of We Ain't Got No Podcast, which will come next week, I promise. Um, J- Jimmy can hold me to it. So until until the next time, goodbye and keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>